Hi, and welcome back to Find My Thrive. I am Coach Allison Task, and today, ah, oh man, I am sitting with Bobby McFarland, who is such a fantastic success story in my book. I met Bobby in the summer of 2014 um, after I had some kids. Summer of 2014? Was it earlier than that? No, that sounds about right. Summer of 2014, after right after he had graduated from Holy Cross. And at that time, I had had a, a you know a couple decade career in food. So we were put together because he was passionate about food. And his mom was friends with some of my people. And everyone decided that we should meet. So, of course, we met. Um, and he was asking me questions about a career in food. He was a college grad, passionate about food. And what does that person do, right? What does that person do who's passionate about ropes courses who just got a college degree? What does that person do who's passionate about, I don't know, tattoos who just graduated from college? I am working with so many people right now who just graduated from college and are like, meh, I don't want to go to an office. I don't want to commute from my parents' house in the suburbs to New York City. Like, this is insane. I don't want to do this. And in Bobby's case, he had that other thing that he so badly wanted to do. Welcome. Thank you. It's I'm great to be so here. glad to see you. I haven't seen Bobby in a few years. The last time I saw Bobby, I actually didn't even see Bobby. He left a beautiful piece of homemade bacon in my mailbox <laughs> because that's just how Bobby rolls. <laughs> I met with him. We talked about career and then bacon shows up. My husband has a thing for Bobby because this bacon is sick, but that's a whole nother. So I want to get into the story. I want to I want to talk to Bobby about his passion. So what are some of your early memories about wanting to play with food? Um, I just loved to eat. I guess that's where it started. Um, and I had a curious mind. So I kind of just started putting stuff together. Um, you like know, when I, is this? Is this like a four-year-old who likes to be in the kitchen or what are you? Well, my first memory actually of cooking, if you want to call it cooking, is I took my after-school snack, which was uh, Cheez-Its and string cheese. Nice. Because cheese is my passion and <laughs> my one love in this life. Um, I decided to shred the string cheese on top of the Cheez-Its and microwave it, which sounds disgusting and probably would be now, but it's it's kind of my first real cooking that I that Was I anyone did. home? I think my mom was upstairs, and mm-hmm. I did it because I knew that she'd be like, Bobby, what are you doing? So, <laughs> but I did it, and then I kind of showed her like sheepishly, like, I did this, and it, I like it. My mom's like, that's gross, but I don't have a problem with it. So I kind of kept microwaving stuff on top of other stuff, and that was the genesis. Of- really? The microwaving? Yeah. I yeah. wonder how many—that's a gateway tool for so many, so many young, interested minds. Yeah. Interesting. I- it's easy. <laughs> and then how, what were you doing? Like, when did you then really geek out on it? Because I remember from our conversations, a guy doesn't get from microwave string cheese and Cheez-Its to the kind of bacon you gave me as a gift without, you know, learning something along the way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always wanted to, to cook. Um, we'd be down the beach with our family and friends, and I'd rather spend time preparing the meal for that night and picking up fun ingredients and catching and killing crabs and um, preparing those. I'd rather be in the kitchen than just doing nothing and hanging out. So I, I guess I took every opportunity growing up to be in the kitchen and to, to learn and to, to one-up what I did last time. Did this start in high school? No, before that. Um, we always grilled out on Saturday nights and 
probably by the time I was in high school, I had totally taken the tongs from my dad and I was left in charge of grilling the meat. Really? By high school? Yeah. Yeah, my parents were great. They had this rule um, where if, if I cooked, I didn't have to clean afterwards. Uh, so that really encouraged me to just say, hey, mom, I'll cook dinner tonight. I'll do the chicken cutlets or I'll do whatever we were planning on doing, but I'd try to put my spin on it or try to perfect it. Um, and, it and it grew from there. I, I really started geeking out, though, probably around college when I started making bacon. <laughs> now, tell me, there's something else. That, so you've mentioned your mom and your dad, and I, I, I love that you grew up with rules and well, obviously you're cleaning, unless, of course, you cook. Like, it sounds like you had a family with, like, strict rules, responsibilities, chores. That was part of the drill. Mm-hmm. So you found a way to do something that was helpful to the family, like cook, and then put your spin on it. Yeah. What's that put your spin on it thing? Like, so many people these days follow recipes, and that's where they're most comfortable. Why was it important to you to make it your own? Um, I guess just the sense of independence. You know, somebody had to be writing those recipes. What do they know that I don't? There's got to be some underlying rules or techniques that, that would make recipes obsolete to me. And, uh, you know, I started learning basic stuff. Like if you're frying chicken cutlets, make sure the pan's really hot first. Make sure the oil is hot. Otherwise, it'll get greasy. Um, you know, when you take them off, don't just put them, you know, in, a, in like a, a lidded container where they'll steam out and get soggy. Put them on a rack. Hold them in the oven. Just like small things like that, where I'd find something that I didn't like with the final product and I'd go back and correct it the next time. Where were you going? Is this internet research? Are there libraries? Who are you going to? Do you have, do you have people in your neighborhood who help a, you? A lot of it's common sense. Common sense. It's common, baby. <laughs> um, you know, you got to want to make something better and then you put in the work to make it better. Um, I go to the, interle- the internet a lot now. Um, but back Even then, now? As oh, a chef de cuisine. Oh, all the time. Um, the Food Lab, Kenji Alt, is one of, the, one of the guys I go to a lot. Chef Steps, the, those guys out in Portland, they're awesome. And the original guy I went to for everything was Alton Brown. I probably saw all 14 seasons of Good Eats five times throughout the course of the last five years. Um, whenever I'm just chilling out at home or trying to go to bed, I'll watch that show. So it's like you can go back to him and still learn more. Yeah. It's so dense with information. Um, it's, it's really great. Okay, great. How did you, do you remember how you found him? How'd you, how'd you come across him in the first place? Uh, making bacon. He has a recipe, he has an episode. Yeah, it all comes back to bacon and cheese for me. <laughs> um, he has a whole episode about bacon. And then I went to Spain and I came back and I wanted to learn how to make paella. And he has an amazing episode on paella. So... When I was 19, I made this awesome paella. I made it outside on my grill. Um, I bought a big pan from William Sonoma that I still have. Uh, you know, you, you cook all the stuff, you take it off, and you put the rice in the middle, you toast the rice and the fat from the chicken and all that stuff, and then you pour the broth on top in doses, let it absorb slowly, arrange all the stuff back on top, and voila, that's it. Nice. And was that how you saw it made in Spain as well? Um, I didn't see them make it in Spain. I just, just ate, ate it. it. I just ate a bunch of it. <laughs> <laughs> that was done behind closed doors. Yeah. So you, whenever you were looking for something, whether it's bacon or paella, Alton Brown kept coming up as a leader, and you liked the way he taught you. Yeah, because I, I, he didn't teach you like you need this recipe. You know, like buy my recipe book. He's instead he's promoting the actual fundamentals of cooking instead of himself. Great. 
Um, I think that's so huge, uh, and that's what separates him and Kenji and all these other you know food people from you know the basic ones who just want to sell crappy equipment with their name on it and uh, and make a ton of money. Wow. You sound very like you're very uh, driven and passionate about the learning. Yeah, yeah. I think one day, you know, you know, when I look back at my life, I want to, I want to have somehow helped young people learn about cooking. You know, I think it's not knocking traditional subjects in school, but I think it's kind of crazy that kids can name the last ten presidents, but they can't cook themselves an egg. Um. I think if if kids were learning food from a young age, it would make them a lot easier to learn chemistry and biology in high school because it'll have you know tangible exposure to these topics. Well, this is interesting. Are you? And this is an interesting give back. How old are you right now? I'm 25. You're 25. Great. Quarter century. Three more to go. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> so the first 25, you know, you learned some basics of cooking how to walk, how to speak, how to do good on tests, make friends, all that stuff. So you've got your next few uh, quarter decades to give back. So when you say that you want to do that, you'd like to see people learning more about basic cooking techniques. Are there any leaders in that area now, or is there anything specific you have in mind? Not really. Mm -hmm. um, and my whole life has kind of been a a next step kind of approach. I'm not, I'm not really looking at, you know, I want to be making this much by the time I'm this old. Um, it's here, here's where I am right now. Um, does this feel right? What should my next step be? Um, and, you know, I think I'm the youngest chef de cuisine in my city right now. So it's, it's been paying off having that approach. Okay. Beautiful. Tell us where you are exactly right now. Cause I, I gave you a big buildup on that. You became a cook, but where are you now? Um, I am at Royale Raleigh. It's a French bistro right in the heart of downtown Raleigh. Um, I think this week sometime, the Indie, which is a big publication down there, is calling us the best new restaurant of the triangle of the year. What? So it's... it's Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's been awesome, really. Um, my chef is the man. His name is Jeff Sizer. He lets me put things on the menu. He believes in me. Um, he was my first chef in New York, and he brought me down and took a chance on me, and I'm happy to do him proud every day. That's amazing. Now, he was your first chef in New York. What does that mean? Um, so I was... Uh, doing some freelance writing and social media for a salami company, Salumaria Bialesi, and they make the best stuff in the country, maybe the world, by the way. Um, but I was I was doing some work for them, and I wanted some extra income and some extra hours, and I knew they owned a restaurant right next to their original um, salami production facility in Manhattan. So it was an Italian restaurant right next to Madison Square Garden. Um, I worked a couple days there, and on the third day, my chef cut his hand open on a can of peanuts. The waitress, who was uh, the waitress and manager that night, she ran into the kitchen. She was like, "All right, what what should we take off the menu today? You know, we got a new cook on the pasta station. You know, how are we going to make this easier for him?" And I said, "Don't take anything off the menu. I've I've seen everything at least once. We can do this." And uh, it was a great service, and I never stopped cooking after that. That was day what? Three. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It, Billy Joel was playing that night, so it was pretty busy at an Italian restaurant, and I was the pasta cook. What's but the name of that restaurant? Birichino. How do you spell it? B-I-R-I-C-C-H-I-N-O. How long were you there? Six months. How did you How did you get that job? Just because you were writing there, and yeah, and I and. Um, they wanted to exp expand their fresh pasta program. They had a 
big uh, pasta extruder in the basement, which was pretty cool to work with. I spent a couple hours a day down there. Um, but the chef, you know, to be honest, he just liked having me around and liked having somebody to teach. So um, I became not totally essential, but I became, you know, a, a big part of the operation there. And, and then what made you leave after six months? I was just uh, stuff with pay and, and um, my upper management and stuff like that. Well, let's talk about that. How are, I mean, you're a, a college-educated guy. Bobby's wearing a Holy Cross shirt. He he graduated from Holy Cross in uh, 2014. Yeah. yeah. In 2014 and then went into this, you know, field that is not known for being well paid. In fact, it's known mainly, especially restaurant work, to hire people who maybe are being paid under the table, mm -hmm. maybe not even making minimum wage. But in order to put that really nice piece of steak for $40 on your plate takes a lot of people, a lot of time, a lot of rent. And when people squeeze margins, they'll squeeze it with staff. So I know you're going one day at a time, and I know that you're, you're the youngest um, chef de cuisine right now in your area. Where does the money co thought come? Sorry, I'm not asking this very well. What do you think of when you think of money and remuneration? You said that you had to leave the job because the money wasn't there. So what's what's your thinking with that? How do you get around that? It wasn't just money. It was um, an opportunity to grow elsewhere. Ah, I had a great okay. I had a great thing lined up. Okay. It was, it was well, it's always complicated. You know. Sure, it's, it's I understand. Um, but. The, the money is a big factor, and it's hard looking at my siblings you know, who went to similar colleges and my friends who went to you know, Jesuit schools like Loyola and mm -hmm. Fordham and see them doing a lot better than me financially um, and knowing how much, you know, not how much harder, but how hard I work. Um, it's hard seeing that and justifying it to myself and to my parents, but it's just something I'm living with for now. It's an investment. Like you said, I met you when I was talking about going to culinary school. I'd still be in debt if I did that. I have no debt. I don't have much savings, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting by and I'm learning a ton and I'm making a name for myself. Let me tell you, with all the people that I coach right now in their 20s, the debt is the worst thing. The debt keeps you from taking a risk, keeps you from following, you know, I met a drummer who wanted to go to L.A. and drum. He's got this crushing debt, right? Yeah. You are able to pick up your lack of debt, maybe one of your biggest assets right now. Yeah. So that's good. Congratulations to you and, and shout out to your parents for affording you that opportunity. Yeah, I'm eternally in debt to them. So <laughs> I cooked them some nice meals when I was down at the beach for Memorial Day. So I'm chipping away at that debt. <laughs> rest of your life. I don't doubt you're going to take very good friends <laughs> care of your family. That's for sure. So that's interesting. I mean, you sound so passionate about food and so clear and so incredibly focused. It's a little frustrating that your peers are starting to, you know, pull away and make more. Yeah, it's frustrating, but they are so proud and supportive of what I do. And they've been telling me for a long time that they think I have what it, what it takes to do it, you know, because I've been nerding out about food for over a decade now. And They've seen it, and they've seen the steps I've taken and how much better I've gotten. When we go out to a bar, they don't look at me when it's time for the first round. It's just kind of unspoken, and I, my friends are amazing. <laughs> um, every time I'm you know, in the hole with money, you know, if rent's due or something, uh, and they come around to visit me, they'll just take care of everything for me. That's amazing. Yeah. And you, you'll give them a shout when you're at the restaurant as well. Oh, always. You know, and it's, it's something I hate asking for, and they know that, uh, so they don't even make me ask. What an amazing collection of friends. Yeah. St. Peter's Prep. You know, we're, we're buddies for life there. Hey, 
I actually think I know some people from there. St. Peter's Prep, where are they? Jersey City. Yes, I do know yep. some people. Took from the train oh. every day to high school. It was awesome. Shout out to St. Peter's Prep. Always. <laughs> <laughs> so when you look at your peer group and you look at, at your friends or friends, siblings, just maybe even people you didn't like that much, but people that you know, are other people as committed, focused, passionate, or are other people finding their passions in the same way? No, you know, a lot of them talk about things that they want to do down the road when they collect enough money. And I guess that's the trade-off when you follow something that you that you love versus working for the weekend. You know, you um, th- th- that's the trade-off, I guess. You're I'm working to... on the weekend. Yeah, I, the, yeah, my weekend <laughs> is my work, and I don't get that much money. But at the end of the day, I'm like getting better at something that I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of my paycheck. Well, well said. Is there something you, you were talking about teaching as a give back? Are you teaching now, I guess, in your role as chef de cuisine? No, and I'd, I'd like to. Um, the restaurant's still in its opening uh, phases and growing pains. So I'm doing a lot of extra hours. But when we start, you know, when we settle down and we're staffed exactly how we want to be staffed and I know what my hours will be, I'd like to start, you know, working at some uh, local school programs that might have, um, you know, like a food food course or a food club. Um, in any way I could, I'd like to, I'd like to get in that. Wow. So if you were back, if you were able to teach at a school like St. Peter's Prep, you would work there maybe if you had Mondays off, something like that, like a Monday afternoon food club. Exactly. Um, if they had some equipment, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to just stand up there and lecture them about how awesome food is. The great thing about food is it's all done with your hands. You can do it. Yeah. So, Let's talk a little bit about um, some of the people who've helped you out along the way. Um, so when I was in college, there's this, uh, let me back up. There's this legend on my street in Montclair, New Jersey, and he's kind of a local legend around here. I'm not sure if you've heard of Lou Palma. I think I first heard of him through you when I first moved here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, well, he... Um, you know, he bakes bread at the local bakery. Um, he makes like baguettes and sells them once a week and sells out all the time. Which bakery? I think it's the Little Daisy Bake Shop. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he'll make baguettes there, I think, every Tuesday or Thursday. Okay, cool. Um, but he's he's been making his own prosciutto for years through trial and error. He's learned a lot. Uh, he's on YouTube. Um, what's the local food website? Uh, Barista Net. Uh-huh. They love him. They talk about him all the time. Um, so he found out that I was making my own bacon in college and my dad ran into him one day when I was home and he came home and he's like, Bob, Lou Palmer wants to talk to you, like bring your bacon. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I was kind of like starstruck in a weird way. Um, cause he was taking interest in, you know, the stuff that I was doing. So I came over, I brought my bacon, he tasted it and he's like, ah, not bad. And it was awesome. I was like so stoked about it. He's like, you want to see some of what I got going on? Nice. So I was like, all right, sure. He takes me down to his wine cellar in his basement, and there are just legs of prosciutto hanging. There's uh, capicola, soppressata, lomo, chorizo, like all this stuff that he's just doing because he's retired. And this guy, at the time, he was like 81, um, but he became my best friend pretty quickly. I was over his house that summer like three, three times a week probably. We were going to Restaurant Depot. We were starting new projects. Uh, it was it was just awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. And what is he? Um, how is he involved in your life now? Uh, I just hung out with him the other day. Um, same old stuff, you know. He let me try some of the guanciale he just made, and 
uh, the pancetta, which I actually cooked down the shore this weekend with some snow peas, and it was awesome. So you guys are just, I mean, you could be talking about model cars or whatever, but your thing is food, specifically pork. Yeah, mostly pork, although he did cure some uh, brezeola, which is uh, top round, beef top round. And it was unbelievable, as I've come to expect from him. Nice. And I remember, wasn't, um, was Melody Kettle also involved a bit in your... Um, a little bit. Like, I met her through Lou. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was super sweet. She helped me out getting involved with the Montclair Food and Wine Festival. Mm-hmm. She was running that at that point, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and actually, that event, or I guess it was 2014's Food and Wine Festival, I got introduced to her and to Floyd Cardoz through, uh, through Lou. Because ah. all these local chefs, they all know Lou because he's just you know, a legend in the food scene. So Floyd is probably the biggest out of any of them. Actually, I need to call him chef now because I've worked for him. No. Chef Floyd, was, uh, he was the biggest out of any of them. And I got the chance to cook with him at a gala dinner um, at the Food and Wine Festival. And that was terrifying because I had watched him win Top Chef Masters on one of my, one of my days off from school. Yeesh. Uh, it, was, it was a whole marathon of his season, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy's from New Jersey. Oh, my God, he just won Top Chef. And then I was cooking with him like six months later. Um, <laughs> so, so basically your TV came to life in your town. Yeah, he met me outside of uh, – it was at the, uh, the High, Highland Pavilion. Or, mm-hmm. No, I think it was at the Manor. Okay. Yeah, and he came outside. When I texted him, I was there. He was wearing his same coat that I saw him with on TV. It said Floyd Cardoz on it, and – He's like, all right, you got your knives? I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, come on in. And had you worked in a professional kitchen? No, it was my first time working as a cook in one. So your first time working as a cook is working with Floyd Cardoz? Yeah. Popping right off your TV screen? Yeah. Were you sweating? Like, how did you prepare for that? I didn't. I just kind of showed up and did what he told me to do and tried to, tried to think on my feet for him because he's got a bunch of people coming up to talk to him all the time. Um, he had another helper that day, um, but once Floyd saw that I had it under control, or once Chef Floyd saw that I had it under control, I, um, uh, he told the other guy that you know he, could, he didn't have to come in for the next day of prep. And how did you do that? How did you, how do you get up to speed so quick? Whether it's Chef Floyd or that uh, the the restaurant where you worked three days before the chef had to roll because he cut his hand. How do you get up to speed so fast? You just cook. You know, you um, you see what needs to be done, and and you just kind of find an efficient way to do it, and you do it. Nice. I mean, I, I love this. All of your answers to my questions are, you get out of your head and you just execute. You just go, go, go. Yeah. And on that note, I am going to take a break now to take listen to our lovely sponsors, our hand-picked, hand-curated sponsors who've done great work for me and will do great work for you. And we will be right back with Bobby McFarland. Do you have a go-to restaurant, a place where they know you, take care of you, and you just feel good as soon as you walk through the door? Well, my go-to is Halcyon, the seafood brasserie on Walnut Street in Montclair. Here's why I love it. I can go to Halcyon for a glass of wine on a Monday night and listen to their jazz trio. I can go on a Wednesday with an old friend and enjoy a craft beer or one of Marshall's margaritas, which I love, and some shrimp tacos. Then I can get dressed up, and come with my husband for raw bar and a bone-in ribeye on Saturday. Halcyon is like that. 
It's a beautiful, sexy space where you can dress up for a special occasion or just roll in for a weekday glass of whatever. Plus, they have this great event space upstairs. It's perfect for baby showers, engagement parties, birthday celebrations, or corporate events. And what I'm really excited about is that they have just started offering Sunday brunch thanks to new owners. So if you want a well-made Bloody Mary to kick off your Sunday, Halcyon is the place to do it. I'll see you there. Are you interested in selling your house? Are you interested in buying a house? Do you know someone who's selling or buying a house in Northern New Jersey? The whole key to this process is a great realtor and I'd like to introduce you to mine. Her name is Allison McGuire and she works at Halstead Realty in Montclair. She works with the entire Northern New Jersey area. So whether you're in Essex, Morris, Bergen or Passaic County, she can help you. She was a realtor who became a friend. And what's unique about Allison is that she's born and bred Northern New Jersey. She raised five children, and I mean spectacular children, in this area. She is a spectacular human being who will root for you, advocate for you, and make the process of buying or selling a home wonderful. I've bought with Allison, I've sold with Allison, I've rented with Allison. Give her a call. She's at 973-454-9116. That's 973-454-9116. Allison McGuire of Halstead Realty will make your buying or selling experience a pleasure. We are back with Bobby McFarland, the man, the myth, the bacon, (laughs) Um, who, you know, a local kid makes good. Local kid comes, goes to school, gets obsessed with bacon, graduates from college, and then wants to just do something a little more non-traditional. So when we first met, you were clearly passionate about food. You know, it's 10% of people who know what they want to do. You are one of the lucky ones. But food's not remunerated. And we're in suburban New Jersey. And people are wondering how you're going to make a living. Yeah. So how did you make the choice at that point to go to school, to not go to school? What happened? Because uh, you could have gone to culinary school, right? Yeah. Uh, it was money. It was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought maybe I'd be able to save up some money. I was looking into scholarships for the Culinary Institute of America. Um, they had one that I thought I could maybe get because it was a food-based essay thing, and I majored in creative writing, so I was I was about to start working on that. But uh, my Salou Maria job came up, and then the opportunity to check out a kitchen came up, and um, I never really looked back. But, you know, you said that 10% of people... Uh, know what they want to do. And I don't think I'm in that 10%. I never okay. I never have been because food is just, it's huge. It's a huge area. And that's why I wanted to go to you because you were involved in food media. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, Alton Brown was like my, my everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, I lived and breathed the media that he would put out. Mm-hmm. So um, at first I kind of thought I wanted to continue what he did because at that point, Good Eats was off the air. Um, I thought maybe, you know, you could give me some insight on getting into media. But mm-hmm. having spent some time in a kitchen, I realized my chops weren't where I wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. And they're still not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't really know what I want to do. Um, I know that I'm pretty happy now and I have some good things coming up for me if I keep at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- like I said before, I'm more of a next step kind of guy. Are you still writing? Don't really have the time to. Um, I'm just writing emails. How many hours a week are you working in the kitchen? 
Gosh, I don't want to count because I'm on salary. <laughs> <laughs> six days a week? Uh, five usually. Okay. Um, it started six, but I've been uh, I've been able to get an extra day off. But I still always pop down to the restaurant and handle handle my ordering, touch base with my sous chef on my days off. Those are nice long days. Those five days. Yeah, they're they're full. They, you bet they are. Yeah. Any advice to people who were who are in the situation that you were, someone listening in high school or college, or the mother or father of someone who is really into food while they're in high school or college? Um, you know, just keep, keep cooking. Uh, hedge your bets with your career choices. You know, don't box yourself into something. If you have the means to get a college degree, do it. Um, I don't regret my college degree at all because those are skills and that's prestige that I'll have for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to be a well-rounded person and not to make, not to put all your eggs in any basket at that age. Mm-hmm. If cooking is what you want to do, that'll that'll happen. And how about were there any people who, when you wanted to go into food, were like, you know what, dude, don't do it, do something safer or something else? Maybe my brother. You know, he just wanted to look out for me, and he was new in a finance career and doing well. Um, but then he saw me in my first restaurant, and he he understands completely. So you've got tremendous supports from family, from friends, and your family. If your brother was saying, eh, maybe not, you see it as him just really looking out for you. Absolutely. Yeah, nobody was hating on it. <laughs> you know, they, they know how food lights me up, and um, I'm, I'm lucky to have all of them. Amazing. Bobby, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations. Is there a website for the restaurant you're in now in case we're in Research Triangle? Yeah, uh, royalraleigh.com. Royalraleigh.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Royal Raleigh. Great. And you, you, do you post on Instagram as well? I do. I'm Bobby McFarland 7, one word. Bobby McFarland, MC, yep. Farland 7, the number 7. That's right. On Instagram. And I will tell you, we're friends on Facebook. He, he, <laughs> he, just, he just makes me drool every time he posts. And he's so fired up and so passionate. Keep an eye on this. Watch this space. You never know who's going to come back and be teaching the kids of tomorrow how to cook that egg. Thank you so much for listening to Find My Thrive. This is Allison Task. If you're interested in coaching, please come to me. Go to alisontask.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-S-K.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Summer is right around the corner, folks. And what does that mean? Means we're heading outside for outside entertaining, poolside fun, and all of that needs a great foundation. It needs great landscaping and masonry. Are you ready to put in that patio? Are you ready to do that bluestone walkway you've been dreaming about? Well, I have the team for you. Profection Landscape Design. They solved a masonry challenge for me. I had some bad masonry, which is an expensive problem to have, but I called them and they came held my hand through the process and rebuilt my patio. It is now the centerpiece of my home. If you want great landscaping and masonry from a real professional, from a team who takes pride in what they do, loves playing with stone, loves playing with pavers, loves brick, loves landscaping, then give Profection Landscape Design a call. They love their work and you'll love what they can do for you. Call Profection Landscape Design at 908-684-9045. That's 908-684-9045. They're right here in Northern New Jersey and they know landscape design. Profection Landscape Design is a joy to work with. Give them a call. Do you need a website or logo for your business? My website, alisontask.com, is one of the key marketing assets for my business, and I owe it all to Caroline at Caroline Design. 
As much as people come to my website and say, oh, that's great, I'd like to start a coaching program, I promise you an equal number of people say, oh my gosh, I need a website, yours is so awesome, who designed it? So I send them to carolinedesign.com. Caroline really helped me bring my vision for my website to life. She works specifically with health and wellness professionals. So if you're a nutritionist, acupuncturist, or even an interior designer, give Caroline a call. She'll hold your hand through the web design process, make it fun, and help you develop a web representation of your business that is even better than you could conceive of on your own. You've seen mediocre websites before. Well, Caroline has high standards. She'll help you raise your game. Go to carolinedesign.com. You'll be glad you did.